Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome to episode 89 of the Places Where We Go podcast, where we're going to try to round out our recent visit to the Sedona, Arizona area. So two episodes ago, we started this discussion by taking you through National and state park sites in Camp Verde, which is very close by to Sedona, Arizona. Last episode, we went on a whole bunch of hiking trails in Sedona with you. And today, we have a few more adventures from our time near Sedona, including a few day trips to other parts of the state. So, um, when we were in Sedona, one of the things that we did was hit the downtown area. And, Julie, your impressions of that. Well, it was very hard to get into the downtown area because on the particular time and day that we went, there was a lot of traffic. We were here in winter. I can't imagine what it looks like in the summer. Yeah, and one of the things that we found interesting and different about Sedona is through so much of the area where you would have an intersection, instead of traffic lights, there would be roundabouts. Lots of roundabouts, And I think it's that buildup of cars approaching all these roundabouts that probably contributed a little bit to the traffic that we experienced. But somebody mentioned to us, like, how many traffic lights are in Sedona, and it was like a really small number. Well, it's a very small number because they want to keep the light pollution down. So that's a big thing for them in that area, which is cool. I I love that idea. So you will hit some traffic. Uh, We finally found a place to park. It was a little difficult to find a parking space. They're pretty hard-nosed about where you park. If you park illegally, I guarantee you, you're going to get a ticket. Yeah, we also had a very big truck. so that We had it, a very big truck. Makes yeah. it a little bit harder yeah. than the average So, Joe. you know, my advice would be be very careful where you park because there are ticketers out there constantly giving tickets to those that park in the wrong spot. The town itself was beautiful. They had some great shopping areas. We parked the truck and kind of footed it from that point on. There was space between the downtown and then there was a big bridge and then there was another set of markets and businesses across the bridge. Yeah, it struck me kind of very touristy, like the kind of shops you would expect for tourists is kind of what we ran into. Yeah. Yeah, it was very touristy. Yeah. But it's a small town, so I get it. You know, the people that come and where you're going to make your money is going to be all those people coming in to see the Red Rock and go on those amazing hiking trails. So we just kind of strolled around. Because it was touristy, it was very expensive. Now, you were on a mission. You were looking for earrings. I was looking for earrings because I had forgot a set. I have four holes in my ears. And, uh, I had forgot a set and I was worried that my ears were going to close up because they tend to do that. So I was like looking for a pair of earrings in Sedona. 
But they are so expensive. I just couldn't justify spending that much. Yeah, we were in some of these. Well, they, they were like Indian stores, Indian crafts, like Indian, Indian crafts, jewelry. Yeah, yeah. And, and handmade Indian jewelry. Some of the crafters were very well known for the area and beautiful, beautiful jewelry. So I justified getting a pair of earrings for a little bit more than I wanted to pay with the absence of getting a Pandora charm. Yeah, because we usually so, find a Pandora store for you on some of our travels. Yes, yes. yes. So I said, okay, this will yeah. take the place of the Pandora charm. And keep the holes in your ears. And keep the holes yes. in my ears. And yeah. I did wear them. Yeah. Beautiful turquoise studs. They were just gorgeous. We did want some coffee. And we did stop at a place that said it was the best coffee ever. Science said best organic coffee in Sedona. Well, yes, that's what it said. Kind of kind of reminds me of on the movie Elf, World's Greatest Cup of Coffee. Yeah. Problem was is the poor guy that who's only one in this little kiosk coffee shop and he ran out of everything. He didn't have the milk oh, we wanted. He ran out of he, he ran, ran out, out of, of milk. coffee totally, yeah. and he had to re- remake the coffee and it became a yeah. little bit of a fiasco. Yeah, so we were our last cup before he shut her down and yeah. then tried to find some more milk and stuff. Yeah, yeah it was quite yeah, interesting. Yeah. But overall, it was a really nice yeah. place to stroll around. And they do have a famous market area, very well known, called Tlaquapakwe. And I'm sure I butchered that, but it is an arts and craft shopping area, a little village. And it has very, very high-end shops in it. We did stop in a whiskey shop, which was absolutely amazing. Yeah, so this was a place that seemed like they put together their own concoctions of liqueurs. So there was like these peanut butter flavored whiskeys and all kinds of different mm-hmm. flavored. Very highly unusual. I'd never seen it before. Yeah. And they did offer a sample. So we were able to sample the peanut butter whiskey. The yeah. thing I was thinking about this after we left the store that I found very unusual is so from my knowledge of liquor labeling laws, because there are those laws in mm-hmm. the States, None of these bottles had labels on them. They all just had the handwritten... Like a paint pen. Yeah, paint pen, Mm. peanut butter whiskey, and that's like all it said. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure how they get away with all of the things that everybody else has to put on labels that go on alcohol bottles. But anyways, interesting tasting stuff because we did have have some tasters, very pricey, which was kind of in line with the the whole 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 village marketing area. A lot of art galleries. Mm -hmm. Was it jewelry stores? Jewelry stores. There were some very high-end clothing stores, very few, but very, very pricey. Yeah. So it's just, I think, one of those places that's kind of nice to stroll around and look around. It was a nice wind down for us. Yeah. We didn't buy anything there. No. Just strolled. Because we've seen this place on some YouTube channels when people have come to Sedona. So It's very well known. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, out of our entire time in Sedona, we just spent minority of the of our time in the downtown area mm-hmm. most of the time was spent experiencing the great outdoors mm-hmm. and places nearby so that's where we're going to head off next so we had one sunday in town and we've, we've probably mentioned before on the show when we're traveling and if we're able to hit church on a sunday morning we'll usually start our sunday that way and we did find a catholic church in a town called Clarkdale, which was on our way to what would be the main destination of that day, Jerome, Arizona. So we'll get to Jerome momentarily, but just a quick 
overview of our stop in Clarkdale. We stopped at St. Cecilia Parish, a very small church, a historic building. This church is part of what is called the Fraternity of St. Peter. They celebrate Mass in the pre-Vatican II tradition. And it was just a, a neat experience. We were there like just after Christmas, so there was still you know Christmas music. While there was an organ in the back of the church, there wasn't an organist, but there was a lady playing violin. Mm -hmm. So that was our accompaniment of music. After Mass, we took a little bit of time to stroll through Clarkdale. Yeah. Now, it was a Sunday, and pretty much the town was shut down. There was nothing open, actually. There was, there was yeah. no... There was a brewery there that was closed. There was a museum. There was a museum that was closed, the Copper Museum. Yeah. It looked, that museum looked like it would have been really interesting to go into, yeah. but I think they were just closed on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. so we just kind of walked around the town, ended up in a little park in the center of downtown with a little gazebo in it. And there's um, many things that happen in this little town, but probably more towards the spring-summer months. It was raining, you know, as we were walking around, too. So I don't think I saw maybe maybe two or three people, and that was it. Mm-hmm. In this little park with the little gazebo in it, the park hosts uh, free events and concerts during the year, including summertime block parties and a Clarktoberfest in the fall. Clarktoberfest. That's interesting. Sign me up. Yes. That sounds fun. It does sound fun. And right next to that park is that brewery, so I'm sure they play a big part in that. While we were walking back to the truck... We did stop and see a sign that was in front of that Copper Museum talking about the famous robbery, the famous bank robbery in Clarksdale. And that was really an interesting story. And there was a chase and a crash and bullets flew. And it was like the Old West all over again. Yep. So that, that was a little interesting thing. And the gas station that was on the corner there was really fascinating to me. It was really like an antiques shop. But they kept the old gas station look to it, including a sign that said gas 21 cents. Mm -hmm. That really um, caught our eye. So we walked over there and just checked that out. Yeah, so really that neat yeah, really neat place for photographs. So. Yeah, absolutely. In this historic town of Clarksdale, there is a copper rail line that was reborn in 1990 as the Verde Canyon Railroad. Called Arizona's longest-running nature show, a day trip on this train will take you through natural beauty of the Verde Valley. This was an excursion that you had on the list of possibilities. And since we had a train ride scheduled for the next day going up to the Grand Canyon, we decided not to book this particular railroad trip. Someday, maybe we'll go back and do mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. There are other things that you can do in Clarkdale, including kayaking on the Verde River, exploring the Tuzagut National Monument, wine tasting, participating in the annual Verde Valley Wine Festival, which features Arizona wine and beer, along with food and music. I always enjoy checking out these very small towns. Oh, I love it. That Especially that preserve some of that old history that they have. So we got a little taste of that in Clarkdale. It would have been nice if some of the places were open, but we still got a flavor of it. Then that it never gets in our way. No. We just, whatever comes our way, whether towns are shut down or not, we enjoy just walking around and just taking in the whole feel of the town because you still get that just from walking the streets. Yep. We'll make the most of whatever yeah. opportunity 
avails itself to us. Mm -hmm. So next it was time to get back in the car and head out to the main attraction of this one day, which was Jerome, Arizona, where we had booked an afternoon Jerome history walking tour. And we got to town with a little bit of time to spare before the tour. So we stopped in for an after church lunch at a place called Clink Scale and had just a wonderful lunch here. So the ambiance in this restaurant was wonderful. There was jazz music being piped in. It kind of gave it this old, early 1900s feel, I thought. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect that kind of uh, ambiance in that area. I don't know why. Very small town. The place was packed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, we had to wait for a table. The food was amazing. It was very good. I had some fish tacos and your plate. I had a grilled cheese, which I know you um, I'm not a grilled cheese have guy. some aversion to. But you did like the roasted tomato poblano soup, which yeah. was excellent. And your grilled cheese was, I mean, this was like a proper grilled cheese. Oh, yeah. The bread was absolutely delicious. It was homemade bread. I don't think it was a store-bought thing. Right, I think it was right. a, a really nice bakery bread. And- yeah, so one thing for sure is if you're around the area, if you find yourself in Jerome, if you stop in for a meal at Clink Scale, I think you'll be very pleased with what you'll find there. Mm-hmm. And after our bellies were full, we had walked over just a couple of blocks away from the restaurant to the Jerome Ghost Tour Company, and we'll have a link in the show notes for them. They're the ones who put on the tour. Even though on the day that we visited, it was raining, the tour went on rain or shine, and we had our raincoats, we didn't have umbrellas, and they were gracious enough to have umbrella loaners for the crowd that had gathered for the tour. And we love hearing about the Old West stories, and this place had much to offer, Mm -hmm. including a history that featured Wyatt Earp and Billy the Kid, who had once set foot in this town. Once upon a time, Jerome had the nickname of the wickedest town in the West. We learned about the copper mining history of the town, which brought in lots of money. And back in those days where there was lots of money, drugs, opium dens, and brothels often followed, and that was the case here. Without the law. There was no law there. There was no police presence, and so this was no place to raise your kids. The tour guide told us that during the peak years when Jerome was really a happening place and the copper mining was in full bloom, the census showed 15,000 people living here, but he also noted that the census at that time only counted white males, so accounting for non-white males who would have been here, the estimates are that this place could have had up to 30,000 people. So it was one of these places that once upon a time for that small moment in time, it attracted lots of people because there was money to be made and um, it had its day. And at one point in time, the money opportunities vanished, Mm -hmm. as did almost all of the people. Even had its glory days, then it kind of had a death and then it returned. So that's kind of nice. About halfway into the tour, we were able to step into an old Catholic church called the Holy Family Church. It is the oldest Catholic structure in the Roman Catholic Diocese of Phoenix. This church has doors open for quiet reflection, but does not have a weekly mass schedule. We were lucky to get in because our tour guide said the doors are usually locked. Yeah. 
One very interesting place that you can visit is the building of the Old Liberty Theater, originally built for $80,000 to show silent movies. It closed in 1929 and never converted to show talkies. I think talkies would have started to come out around 1929, but whatever the technology that they would have needed back in the day to actually have the sound produced, this theater never introduced that. So so they kind of ceased being a theater very shortly after pumping all that money into building the theater. Yeah, but you can still sit in the the, uh, original or old theater seats and see memorabilia from the early days of the motion picture industry. So in Jerome, over the many decades, there has been a litany of catastrophic fires and violent deaths in its Wild West days that have contributed to Jerome's ghost town status. You can even take a ghost tour today and hear about the apparitions said to roam through the town's historic buildings and their old streets. Today, Jerome still tells its history with a dose of humor. There's a modern bordello on Main Street, but today's bordello only serves burgers. There's several small shops on the Main Street that runs through the town. Nearby, the former Little Daisy Mine, once the family mansion for the Douglas family, is today a museum and visitor center for Jerome State Historic Park, another place that you can visit if you make your way to Jerome, Arizona. So it was very fascinating to have a tour guide walk us through all the little secrets of Jerome, Mm -hmm. including the openings into the mine itself that were dug out in homes and businesses to have access to the mine. And I thought, that's really strange. And the fact that when the mine started to be dynamited, excessive dynamite, there was a new owner that came in and bought it, that the town's hill where the mine was at started to shift and the home started to fall down. The whole town shifted to a certain point. And I thought that was, and that's all just from the dynamite that was used for the mining. Yeah, so this is a place, I think, if you come to visit Jerome, I mean, I'm really glad that we took the tour because there's so much history here. And unless you have somebody explain it to you or unless you've done reading in advance, which most of us probably are not going to do, you'll walk away maybe with the sense that this used to be something, but you're not going to know exactly what. So spending an hour on a tour will really help you get an appreciation for where you are and the the once upon a time significance of the place. Yeah. Yeah. So we left quite quickly because towards the end of the tour, the storm got really, really heavy. It was coming down. Oh, big time. It was cats and dogs at that point. So we ended up leaving the end of the tour, walking to our truck and trying to get away from the rain because it was really, really heavy. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. The next thing that we did, though, was absolutely amazing. So our final adventure in Sedona or near Sedona was to take the Grand Canyon Railway from Williams, Arizona to the Grand Canyon. We were still based in the Camp Verde area, but we drove, what was about 90 minutes? 
to Williams to catch the train. Yeah, it might have been even longer. So, oh, well, but, there was a big storm going. Yeah, on so too. before even making the drive, you and I we were having a conversation the, the day before about do we even make the drive or not because the forecast had snow. Mm-hmm. I think the day before our trip, the road conditions were even more perilous. Yes. And we weren't sure exactly what they were going to be like on the day that we were going to set out to Williams. But when it came time to leave, we decided that we were going to leave, try to make this trip, hopefully make it all the way to Williams, but with the one caveat that if it felt unsafe at any point in time that we would maybe turn around. And I'll tell you, so when we left, we left in the dark. Most of the drive was dark because we had to get ourselves to Williams fairly early. Fairly early, yeah. And and we knew that as we got up into the mountainous area that there it was already snowing. Yep. So snow coming down. There was sections of fog. You know, visibility wasn't great. So we just stayed in the slow lane. I was in no hurry. I put myself behind a big rig. And we never put it into four wheel. So no. I think we were, because we kept it slow and steady, I think, you know, we didn't have to. Yeah. I think, I mean, a lot of that drive, we were probably maybe only doing about 40 miles an hour, if that. Yeah. So it, it was slow going, but we tried to keep it as safe as possible and ultimately made our way to Williams. We got in there, we found a parking space. There was, um, pretty good amount of snow still on the ground. It wasn't snowing in Williams at that moment. So we were able to find a pretty good parking space and made our way to the ticketing office of the Grand Canyon Railway. That was a little tricky because the snow was a little icy, so we did some slipping and sliding trying yeah. to get to the train station. Didn't fall down, though. No, we didn't. We Again, we took it slowly. We picked up our... Well, you just checked in, right? Because you had pre-purchased yeah, tickets. Yeah. So you just checked in, and we started with a show that was in this little... Kind of an outdoor... Almost like kind of that theater with type yeah, of like in the round with bleachers with, around with bleachers, and then in front were little makeshift kind of facades, facades of, of yeah. you know a western town, yeah. and and then out came the cowboys, and uh, they put a little show on for us, and it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. It was hokey. It was a little on the hokey it side. It was pretty yes, hokey, yes. and the things that they were saying, and I was worried. I have a, a fear now of being too close to these type of shows where they pull in the audience. So I try to keep myself... Um, no eye contact. No, you don't. You, so I've, I've experienced this before. I've learned I will never do it again. <laughs> the train ride was a little over two hours, and it increased in elevation as we went along, and we saw um, more snow. It seems to be quite a buildup of snow in that area from the storm the day before. We lucked out in terms that that particular storm had passed, so the train was still open. There was a lot of talk of the roads and uh, the railway being shut down from the storm previous because it was was quite a big one. We saw elk. There was entertainment on board. The guitarist that came on our car to entertain us was fantastic. I really enjoyed him. His yeah. guitar playing was, it was just great. I really liked it. Here comes a sound. Here comes- 
The person that is assigned to your car to take care of you, do so in a kind of entertaining fashion, making jokes, trying to uh, keep you laughing. And uh, so that, that was kind of fun, even though I, ha- I always have that as an audience member, don't pull me in anymore. But Yeah, so on the train, there's a, a couple of ticket options that are available. So you can sit like in the main section of the train, which costs one price. But then for an extra fee, you can sit higher up in what they call the dome section, which gives you like a 360 degree view. So partly because there was a price difference, we we opted to have the dome seating on our ride up to the Grand Canyon. And then we had the regular seating for the return ride. Right. Yeah. And they had a little bit of snacks and coffee, some hot chocolate, you know, just a little bit to keep you going. So that was kind of a a nice thing to sit in this car, look out these windows, see this massive herd of elk, the snow as you're going up. It was, it was very beautiful. It was, it was fun. And it kept that two, a little over two hours. It didn't seem long. Mm -hmm. It, It was, it was fun. It was great to get up to the Grand Canyon and to actually see the Grand Canyon with snow. Yep. Lots of snow. We had some issues seeing the actual canyon itself because along with snow comes fog. And you have to kind of wait for the fog to open up really quickly. You could see the Grand Canyon but it's very unpredictable and it could close up as fast as it opens up. So it's kind of, you have to be in the right place at the right time to see a really good view of the canyon. I enjoyed it anyway, because it was just another way to see the Grand Canyon. I thought it was gorgeous. This experience of the Grand Canyon Railway, I think overall is such that you spend a little more than two hours each way on the train. Once you get to the Grand Canyon, I think we had about three hours total there. I mean, it was no more than that. Yes, it was plenty of time. Yeah, well, one of the things that we did, though, with the time there, one of the options was what they call the Freedom Bus Tour, which was a 90-minute bus tour on the South Rim. So we did book that. It stopped for a little bit of time at a geology museum there, which gave us a chance to see certain views of the canyon from the sidewalks near the museum. There was a second stop where the bus took us to, and that was like completely cloud-covered, fog-covered. So you got to the edge, and you basically couldn't see anything. But when the bus tour part was over, we were by, I think, kind of like the main area of the South Rim. There's a kind of well-known restaurant there and lodge called Mm -hmm. El Tovar. So you and I stopped there for lunch. It was in that area that I think we saw the best views of the day of the Grand Canyon. Yeah, we were in the right place at the right time because it it opened up. Yeah, like you said, you know, you, you saw the hilltops, you know, speckled with snow. And as we've said on other podcasts about other places, this is one of those places where, you know, you look at a picture and it could look impressive but when you're there a two-dimensional photograph just doesn't do justice to the magnificence of the views that are there so we got a chance to uh to take in as much of that as we could we took some video took some photographs at some point in the coming probably months 
we'll have a YouTube episode out that will recap this trip. Lunch at El Tovar, I, I would say kind of for you and I, I, I kind of would put that on the kind of average experience. I mean, it reminded... Well, we, we didn't get into the, the main restaurant. Main restaurant. Yeah. We, we were in a side bar area. Yeah. I don't know if the menu for that side area was the same as the main menu. I would doubt it because there wasn't that much on there. Yeah, you and I, we found a vegetarian chili option. So we got that. And quite honestly, it reminded me of there's certain days where when we feel rushed for time and we don't have time to make dinner, we'll grab a can of Amy's vegetarian chili out of the pantry in the garage. You'll make some rice. We'll pour the can of chili (laughs) over the rice, sprinkle a little bit of shredded cheese. And that's it reminded me of that. So, I mean, I don't know if it was homemade, restaurant-made chili or not. There were several people on the train that were only going one way, staying at the Grand Canyon for one or possibly multiple days, then coming back on the train at a a later date. So that's a possibility, too, if you don't want to drive a car up there and drive around the Grand Canyon in that way. They highly, highly recommended any restaurant up in the Grand Canyon area get reservations. Yeah. Because you're not going to get any walk-ins. Yeah, I forgot about, as you mentioned, you know, the people who did the one-way ride up on the train and then stayed overnight for one or more nights. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually would be a great way to do this because... What we did, you know, doing the train ride up and back on the same day, you have a limited amount of time at the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And I did feel slightly rushed um, knowing that we had minimum time. Yeah, I think because of the weather, though, mm-hmm. the three hours was enough time. Yeah. The weather was getting more and more stormy as the day went on. I mean, it was snowing. And by the time we got back onto the train, it was snowing pretty good. I watched one lady, she was going down that ramp and it was iced and she was a little bit of an older lady, maybe a little older than me, and she came down and hit her head. And I just thought, oh my gosh, it just... And they picked her up and she kept walking, but I'm just thinking... Difficult walking conditions. Very, very hard to walk. And for turning around, I think three hours was plenty of time. Given the winter conditions. Given the winter conditions. Yeah. But if I was going to go up there during the same time with those same conditions, knowing that I was going to stay a couple days, I would be okay with that. Too. Yeah. So you know, with the Grand Canyon, this is the second time that you and I have been there. The first time we were actually en route moving the family from Southern California to Ohio. And the Grand Canyon was one place that we made a slight detour on our drive to Ohio and kind of had that, I don't know, probably half hour if that, kind of looking over the rim. And even this time, you know, with some limited time, it still feels to me like a little bit of the Griswold experience where Mm -hmm. you go to the rim, look over, say, okay, we've been there, done that. I still would like to, in the future, go to the Grand Canyon, spend more time, in more time meaning... Hiking. Several, yeah, probably several days being able to do some hiking, experiencing more of the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. So I think out of the, all the national parks that we've ever visited, this one by far has been the least amount of time we've actually spent in mm-hmm. the park, mm-hmm. really getting into it, hitting the trails, et cetera. So we will have to go back. And from where we live, it's not that far away. No. Yeah. So 
Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, the staff on the train was highly entertaining. You know, it's a nice way to get to the Grand Canyon if you don't want to take your car. And, you know, train rides are are always fun and relaxing. So it it was a neat experience. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we haven't talked about yet is where we stayed when we were in the Sedona area. So since we were traveling with our Airstream, we found ourselves in an RV park. And we selected the Zane Gray RV Park in Camp Verde, Arizona, nearby Sedona. I think it was about a 40-minute drive from downtown Sedona. But it was close enough also to some of the national and state park sites that we had talked about on some previous episodes. The RV park itself has cabins for rental, so you can even stay there if you don't have an RV. Staff was friendly. Upon check-in, we were escorted to our site. Some of the standard amenities that you'll find at other places, there was propane, Wi-Fi, picnic tables, restrooms, and showers, and it was very quiet, and yes. so I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we were able to get a very good night's sleep all the Except time they were there. when the fireworks went off. On New Year's. On New Year's. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I was, and that even surprised me. I wasn't expecting to have the fireworks, <laughs> given where we were, but uh, I guess they're kind of everywhere. Other than that night celebrating New Year's at midnight, very, very quiet, surprisingly quiet. Yeah, even that was kind of tang, the fireworks. Yeah. Because it was just a few people in the park, and um, it seemed to get quiet pretty quick. Now, I mean, that kind of tells you where we at. We're, we were... New Year's Eve in bed trying to sleep. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, we're kind of party poopers in that way. But but we have the next day we have to get up and make that drive to Williams. Yes, so, yeah. yes, so, which is to me much more fun than fireworks. Yeah, one tip about the RV park though, it it's set on this crushed red rock soil type of thing. And so you're going to get this red stuff. Into... That's all over Sedona. I mean, the hikes that we took, yeah. I, I have a, my hiking pants have red it on. Still. Still, yeah. I can't get it out. Yeah. So I was just going to say, make yeah. sure you have a, a mat where you can clean off your shoes before you get in your rig or the place that you're going to be going into because you're going to get that red stuff. As you say, not only on your shoes, but probably on your clothing as well mm-hmm. as we did. So before we leave Sedona, let's hit a few more fun facts about the area. Well, as we said, Sedona is surrounded by beautiful red rock walls. The rock walls are composed of nine different layers of stone and formed over millions of years. What gives the red rock its red color is iron. Iron oxide formed on all the individual grains of the rock to create the beautiful rust color Sedona is famous for. And Sedona, there's an interesting name, Julie. Sedona was named for its first postmaster's wife, a lady named Sedona Arabella Miller Schnebley. Her mother claimed to have made the name up because, well, it just sounded pretty. (laughs) And this is something we actually saw, that Sedona's McDonald's is the only McDonald's in the world to have a turquoise arches and it did look kind of funny when we drove by it sedona is home to the only mcdonald's arch in the world that isn't yellow in 1993 when mcdonald's opened their restaurant in town the city council gave them a particular condition that they changed the color of their arches from golden yellow which was thought to distract from the natural beauty of the area and 26 years later these arches 
are their own destination inside of Sedona. And the last thing is that there's more national parks and monuments in Arizona than in any other state, and Sedona is near most of them. So if you're a fan of the national park system, there's probably no better place to go than Sedona, Arizona, because you're close to so many places. And that rounds out this visit to Arizona, you know, uh, looking back on it. Not only did we have a spectacular time, but I think we had enough things on the itinerary or possible itinerary that we just couldn't get to that we could easily go back. Absolutely. Yeah. So One could... of the things was that pink Jeep tour. Yeah. Very popular in the area. There, I think there's other Jeep tours too. Our worry was back issues. Mm-hmm. So we decided that we would not do that. But for many, that's a big draw. Yeah, there's that. There was a few museums we had on the list, and we had seen recently too, and this would be an, another excursion, a day excursion from Sedona, but some of these um, slot canyon areas that are like with, within like a few hours drive and petroglyph sites. So there's more to see. So you and I may be back. In the future, we may have more to share with you from this area. In the meantime, it was a great place to visit. And... Um, Next time, we'll be with you from somewhere else to be determined. So you'll have to check with us next time to see where we take you on our next episode. So thanks for joining us again at our Places Where We Go podcast. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe. We would appreciate that. And if you have any comments, please leave them for us because we love to hear from you. And we hope this episode is helpful to you for planning a trip to the Sedona area. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more adventures from the places where we go. Bye-bye. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.